Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. I'm so excited right now. Can you tell? Can you tell? Am I? It's so weird behind the speaker. Yeah, I'm, I'm on, right? Yeah, I should get one of those in-ear, like cool in-ear things, like full-up boy band. Nope, they're saying no. All right. Hey, welcome. Happy Wednesday. My name is Sam, uh, the pastor here, and I want you to go ahead and open up your Bibles. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Psalm 51. My boy Marcus read that beautifully. Thank you, Marcus. Appreciate that, bruh. What we're about to do, what we're about to do is kind of crazy here, okay? Um, I see a lot of new faces in the crowd, by the way. If you're new, can you just be like, give me like a, like a sup? Like a, if you've been like, if you've been coming for the first time in the last few weeks, sup? Saw dude. Saw anybody else? Kind of newer? Saw dude. So all the, all the sixth graders are like, saw dude. Yep. I hear you. Yeah. All right. So here's what we do. Here's what we do. You know, when you go to like, when you go to history class, they talk about history, you know, you go to like, you go to like track practice and they're going to like teach you about track, you know, you go to chess club and they like talk about chess strategy, you know, and that's cool. Like if that's you, that's cool. But like, how many of you like are going to shape your entire life? and your entire eternity on chess. You know what I mean? You go to history class and that's cool because the more you know history, the better person you become, the more intelligent you are, the more your future can change. But like, how many of you are like basing your entire integrity of your soul on like history lessons? And so when we come here, we don't do lectures, okay? I'm not here to talk about history. I'm not here to talk about sports or politics or like whatever I'm thinking of. Hey, Jordan, nice hair too. Very cool. I'm not here to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you guys for a few moments about the scriptures. I want to talk to you about the Bible. I want to talk to you about things of God because this is the only place in this community. Church, youth group is the only place that you guys can go to and discuss real life issues such as faith and God and the Bible. I mean, where else are we going to do that? And so for a few moments today, again, if you have it, I think our Bible team got everybody a Bible at the beginning there. Open up your Bible, Psalm 51. Uh, If you have one of those blue and white ones, it's page 474. And for the next few moments, we're just going to go through. And here at Citizens, this is super, super important to us. And so um, I told this story earlier when I first came here um, as the youth pastor, like no joke, I'm, 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 I'm reading the Bible and I'm explaining it. And I look up and there's a dude sitting right where you are, Kelsey, all the way back. He stands up and busts a move like this and then like points to somebody else in the other corner of the room. And then they stood up and responded. And I was like, did you just start a dance battle in the middle of the sermon? So we don't do that anymore. Um, that guy has since been eliminated. Um, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. He hasn't been eliminated yet. Um, but no, no, so, so you'll see like here at Citizens, when we have our Bibles out, like this is like real life stuff. This is where we're gonna talk about like real life issues and, and ask some really hard questions. And so um, thank you for being here. I'm so excited. Again, if we have not met yet, so dude, I wanna meet you, all right? I wanna shake hands with you and I wanna do whatever it takes to get you to camp, 
okay? Sam, you don't understand. It's my first time. I don't know anybody. You know me now. Let's go to camp together. Sam, you don't understand. I'm poor and I have no money. I'll pay for you. Let's go together, right? Well, you don't understand. I just don't want to go. Ah, now we get to the truth. And now I will force you to go. So um, at least we're being real, right? At least we're being real. So seriously though, guys, camp will change your life. And so I invite you, right? Come and talk to me. Come and talk to Brian, Michelle, whoever you got to talk to to talk um, because it's going, it's going down. It's going down. So you guys ready for tonight? Should we get into this? All right, let's get into this. Um, how many of you, I want you to finish the statement. Um, no, no, I'll just say it like this. How many of you have like your saying that you're known for? You know what I mean? What's your saying? You're shaking, you're nodding your head. Do you know one? No? Okay. How many of you go like, like people can make fun of you because they're going to say what you say again, right? Like you have a saying that you're known for? Okay. Some video game terminology, I have no idea, right? Hey, bud, right? Hey, bud, there's Skylar Goff, okay? You have a saying, like people say things like, oh my goodness. Like, yep, she says that all the time. What's your saying? You say life is my video game? Okay, okay, I like that. Here was my saying growing up. Like if I had a dollar for every time I said this, I'd be like so rich. I have like $15. But I would say um, my thing growing up was like, dude, my mom is going to kill me. (laughs) Dude, if I had a dollar for every time I said, my mom is going to kill me, I would be rich, like no joke. Sam, are you a bad kid? Yeah, yeah, you know, I remember, I'm just going to share with you a story and I'm not proud of it. Like I hesitate to even say it cause you're not going to like me anymore, but um, it was really bad. So I remember we were in the woods, me and my friend Danny, right? And he got these brand new BB guns for Christmas, right? Right, do I even need to go on? And dude, so we're like all like James Bond, like we're like behind trees, pew, 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 right? And like, you don't even need to do sound effects, but we're doing them anyway, because it's fun. We're like, pew, pew. We set up like these little targets. We're like, ding, 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 getting little like Coke cans. And then there's just something about like moving targets that are a little bit more, you know what I mean? Any dudes feel me? All the ladies are like, oh my gosh, you are the worst. And all the dudes are like, yeah. I'm like somewhere in between. I'm kind of the worst, but also like a, yeah, the worst. And so um, we're like running through the woods and like we're shooting things and then we hear a noise. It was human beings. And, um, and so we say, hey, that sounds crazy. Let's go check that out, right? Human beings in the woods. And so our neighbor, and this is, oh man, this is bad. Like they didn't speak English. This was our neighbors, Claudia and Mario, right? And, uh, and her full name was Claudia Mar, but nobody could pronounce it right, so she just said Claudia. We'll just compromise. And so Claudia and her, and her um, cousin, who was visiting from a Hispanic-speaking country, who didn't speak English, they're in the woods, and they're doing something. I forget what they're doing, but like, it was totally their fault. They shouldn't have been in the woods. And, um, and we just started playing this game. We said, like, what if, why don't we try to scare them, and let's shoot at the trees around them? So that was like, bing! Right? I'm like, that'd be so funny. And so we're shooting at the trees, but they don't make that noise. Like they didn't go bing, bing. It was just like, like it was just weird. I was like, man, that's not working. We gotta try something crazier. And so um, what, if, what if we, <laughs> so bad, they were wearing these bandanas, you know? And it wasn't like bandanas like ninjas. It was like bandanas like cowboys. So it was like the flap. I was like, dude, what if we like poked holes in the bandanas, you know? And I know. I know. 
I'm not proud. And then, and then one thing led to another and we're literally just shooting them <laughs> with BBs. And the poor little boy didn't speak Spanish. All he's saying is, no mas, no mas. I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. And we just literally kept shooting him. And we ran away. And so I'm in my house and, you know, I'm clearly not broken up about it at the time. And um, I look out my window and coming down the street is this man who just so happens to be the father of Claudimar. And he's walking with the nephew and the daughter. And they're coming to our front door. I saw in that moment, like picture it like an intersection, right? Um, Picture like an intersection here. Like I saw the news of my action headed toward the intersection and coming on the other side of the intersection about to hit my news is my mother. My mom is going to kill me. Right? Because my mom had this weird thing. It's like as, as the news of my actions went into her ears, it was like her hands moved. You know what I mean? It was like, like this just intrinsic connection. It was like, Sam did what? <laughs> you know? And so I just knew, like, dude, I'm done, right? I knew I was done. And so I knew that as the, as the news of my action, as my, as my actions were about to be exposed, as they got into the same intersection as my mother, I knew we were about to have a wreck, you know? It was about to go down. And it wasn't one of those wrecks where it's like, beep, beep, beep. oh, so sorry, right? It wasn't like my wife literally called me yesterday and I was such a butthead, but she called me, Sam, all right, everybody's okay, but I just want you to know, somebody gave me a little bump from the back and I got out and I looked at it and there was hardly any damage. So I go, don't even worry about it. I was like, you did what? And I was like, I mean, sorry, you're okay. Good, right? And it's just like, but it wasn't one of those little like bump, bump. It's like, this is one of those wrecks like coming into the intersection where there's like, there's like glass spraying everywhere as if like free willy just belly flopped at SeaWorld. You know what I mean? It's like, whoosh. Just glass. I mean, cars are flipping over, and it's like there's always a baby crying, right? It's like, where's the baby? This is like slow motion, cameras like 360ing around. Somebody's getting ejected from the car. Like, this is one of those wrecks that you look at it and you go, dude, he wasn't ready, (laughs) right? Like, dude, he's done. She's not walking out of this one, right? It's over. It's that kind of wreck. That's the wreck. As my mom and the news of my actions were on a head-on collision at the intersection. Not walking away from this one. Not walking away from this one. And that's how I felt when the news of my actions and my mother, I just, I feared this was going to be a collision that I would not walk away from. Now, in a similar way, what happens the same intersection, when the news of our action is getting ready to collide, not with my mom knowing, but with God knowing. What happens at the intersection when the knowledge of my sin, when my wrongdoings are about to come into the light and they're about to be brought before God, what kind of wreck do we expect there? And so for some of you guys, when you picture that, when you imagine the knowledge of your sin getting exposed and God learning about it, you think about that collision the same way I just described my mom's collision. 
There's nothing that makes you dread more than imagining your sin, your wrongdoing. God is going to find out and you picture it like that collision where you go, dude, I'm not going to walk away from that one. He wasn't ready. It's over. He's dead. And what I want to talk about for a few moments today, students, is that nothing could be further from the truth. I want to talk to you today because I want you to know that when at that intersection, when the knowledge of your sin collides and intersects with God, it's quite the opposite. And I, I believe that if you guys can find out what kind of debris is at that intersection, if you guys could only find out what happens when those two things collide, if you could understand that and find out, you will be moved to tears. You will see something so compelling that you go, I want that for myself. And so today, we're gonna, go to, we're gonna continue in Psalm 51 and we're gonna answer the question, what happens when we confess our sin to God? What happens when the knowledge of my sin intersects with God and he finds out? And so I don't need to put any of you on the spot. I don't need to bring any of you into the spotlight to examine your life. David already did that, <laughs> right? And so last week to review, we learned that King David, um, his first album was called David and Goliath. And that was a slap. Um, but his second one, not so much. It was called David and Bathsheba. <laughs> Ouch. And so King David saw this girl and he's like, she's attractive. He's like peeping Tom. He's like seeing her bathe. And he's like, oh, she's attractive. I want her. Oh, wait, I'm married. Oh, wait, she's married. Oh, wait, I don't care. And so he gets her. She comes back to him and says, hey, by the way, I'm late. I'm pregnant. And he goes, oh, snap, I got to cover this up. And so he calls her husband and says, hey, take a vacation from war. Take a vacation. Why don't you go hang out with your wife? I can't hang out with my wife while the rest of my country's at war. No. He's like, dang it, this guy is a good dude. I'll get him drunk first. And then even in his drunken stupor, he goes, I'm not going to go home to my wife. My country's at war. How would that look for me? And so he sends him back to war and he goes, dang it, this guy didn't fall for it. I'll kill him. And so King David, adulterer, cold-blooded killer, as soon as the lady finds out, as soon as Bathsheba finds out her husband is dead, David sends a messenger and says, come live with me now. And then he takes her. Nathan the prophet, his trusty prophet, comes to him, tells him this whole story. At the end of the story, puts his finger in his face and says, you're the man. And all of that to say, King David, his sin was exposed. And so last week we learned, what do you do when your sin is exposed? What do you do when you come face to face with your shortcomings? When someone else sees you for who you really are, what do you do? Do what David did. Your immediate reaction should be to confess. You come clean. And so last week we learned the confession dance. We broke down his confession. He says, you know what? I'm not gonna hide. I'm throwing it all out there. He, had, he acknowledged, he goes, yep, that's mine. I admit, God, you're right. And that's not even the problem. This is the problem. He accepted the depths of his problem. And so last week we ended there. He brought all of his sin out. He sent his sin into the intersection and we just stopped there. And we as a community, we practiced confessing. But now today we pick it up and we ask ourselves the question, what happens at that collision? What happens when we confess our sin to God? How will God respond? 
How will he respond to the news? Will this be a wreck? What kind of collision will this be? And I'm telling you, students, it's a beautiful collision. Are you ready? Let's check it out. What happens when we confess our sin to God? Verse seven, purge me with hyssop. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. The first thing we see here, when the news of his sin intersects with God, the first thing we get is purity. The first thing we see is purity. Purity is this wonderfully visual concept. I love the idea of purity because the idea is that when we sin, when we make a mistake, we feel, we feel dirty. When we sin, we imagine ourselves as covered in grime, as if we just rolled in the mud and no matter how long you shower, and I shower for a long time, no matter how long you shower, you're not getting it off. We feel dirty. We feel like we're untouchable. We feel like we're covered in our sin. And so David, he feels this way. As a matter of fact, he doesn't just feel dirty. He is dirty. And he feels completely incapable of being made clean. And yet, when he brings his sin into the light, we learn a powerful lesson. God makes us pure. God makes us pure. Look what it says. He says, purge me. Wash me. And so the picture is this, that God, as soon as he finds out about your sin, as soon as the knowledge of your actions come before him, he doesn't treat you as untouchable. You ever see somebody who's diseased and you go, ooh, right? Ooh, I can't touch. Ooh, no, don't get on me. God doesn't treat you as untouchable. God doesn't look at you as just filthy and unapproachable. He comes and he actually touches you. I knew a person who had a disease on their skin and she said it was the worst feeling to go to the doctors because none of them would want to touch her, All right? And you get it. They don't want to get what you have and they wouldn't touch her. And then she went to one doctor who touched her because he, he knew, he goes, this is not contagious. And so he touched her and he's examining her skin and she said there was something so profound about being touched because somebody treated me like I wasn't untouchable. God doesn't see you as untouchable. He comes and he touches you and he picks you up and he, and he purges you. He's scrubbing you down. He's washing you. He's washing you, students. God makes us clean to remove the grime from our souls. Have you ever tried to make yourself clean? Come on, guys. We, we're t we, we all know what it feels like. We make a mistake. We feel dirty. And we go, man, I, I, need, to, I need to cover it up. Or I need to make myself clean. If I do enough good things, that'll outweigh the bad things. And we're scrubbing and we're scrubbing and we're trying to make ourselves clean. We're trying to get rid of the sin. We're trying to get rid of the grime. And, but we know we can't make ourselves clean. We can't make ourselves pure. But here's the good news. When our sin is exposed and confessed and brought to God, he makes us pure. And look how beautiful the result is of his washing. Look how thorough he is. I shall be clean. I shall be whiter than snow. Anybody ever spill anything on a white shirt? Like I legitimately, I cannot, I, I'm telling you today, I have never been able to wear a white shirt without spilling something on it. Sam, you're wearing a white shirt now. Literally 20 minutes ago, I spilled toothpaste on it when I was brushing my teeth. I was like, of course I did, right? And it's gonna be stained forever. Look at that, you see it? It's over. 
And so perhaps you've washed something that's white and you know how it is, you get a stain and you're like, is this a tie dad? No, it's not. But you're washing something and like when it's done, you look at it and it's like, I don't see the stain, but I can tell there was a stain. Anybody else have that problem? Some ladies are like, not me, because I have a secret. I use my mother's vinegar, right? And you combine that with apple cider. And no, I don't know, all right? When I wash things, it's like ruined. You might as well throw it out. It's game over. That white shirt is sharp, dude. It'd be done in 10 minutes with me, all right? I, you wash it, you wash it, you wash it, you hold it up, and it's still not as white as it used to be. Not when God washes you. When God washes you, you're whiter than snow. Can you see the snow? It's whiter than that. <laughs> When God washes you, he can't, you can't see the stain anymore. There, you can't even see a semblance of it. It says he blots out your iniquity. He removes the stain. He makes you so clean that you can't even see it. He makes it so clean that it's like he doesn't even see it. Well, how could God not see it? Guys, follow the metaphor. He says, I, you hide your face from my sins. God's not playing peekaboo, friends. He's saying, you're so pure. You're so clean. I have made you this way. I don't even see your sin. My face is hidden from it. God makes us pure. Do you want to be pure like that? Right, isn't there just something inside of all of us? We want to be pure like that. And so when we come to God, he makes us pure. And you know what kind of soap he uses? Of course, God is a tide user. No, no, no. You know what kind of soap God uses? Yeah, this is crazy. I, like, I got to build this up. Do you know what kind of soap God uses? This is one of the craziest ironies in all the Bible. You know what kind of soap he uses? Not Clorox. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Doesn't blood stain? Wait a minute, wait a minute. If I get blood on my, like, wouldn't that stain my shirt? Blood, not Jesus' blood? Because when you come to Jesus, his blood, meaning his sacrifice, that he's, the blood that he spilt on the cross for you, that cleanses you. He paid your penalty. So all who come to him are made clean in Christ. What happens when we confess our sin to God? We're made pure. Do you want to be made pure today? Don't use cover up. Don't try to hide it. Come clean. When your sin is exposed, confess it and we find that he makes us pure. Maybe we'll sing the song either this week or at camp, but the song lyrics, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing will make you pure besides the blood of Jesus. And then this is another line. Max, I have a problem with this, so maybe we could fix this. I don't know if we could, the guy's been dead probably for like 300 years, but he said, oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Wrong. The Bible doesn't say it makes you white as snow. The Bible says it makes you whiter than snow, right? This is how pure. So maybe we can change that. Yeah, I'm just saying, I'm not trying to be picky. It's just the Bible. God makes us pure. When our sin is exposed before God, we find purity. Okay, what else do we find at the intersection? What else can we expect to happen when the news of our sin intersects with God? Look at the next verse, verse eight. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. The second thing that we receive when we come clean before God is perspective. It's perspective. In order to understand this verse, you have to understand part of their ancient world. Um, everybody say, uh-huh. This is Billy. It's Billy the sheep. Not Billy the goat. 
That's a different guy. That's his cousin. But this is Billy the sheep. And I want to tell you a little bit about Billy the sheep. And this is an actual picture from 2,000 years ago. Um, he may have belonged to Jesus. We're not sure. Um, his breeding documents haven't come in. But Billy the sheep, he's um, stubborn. Okay? Billy the sheep, he's the kind of sheep that's like, I know the best thing for everything. He's just convinced that he knows his way. Okay? Anybody know somebody like Billy the sheep? Uh, yeah pointing at me. That's uncomfortable. And so Billy, he has this weird, this weird knack. He continues, it's so annoying. He continues to like try to walk off cliffs. So annoying, right? He's like, there's water over there. No, it's a cliff, Billy. (laughs) And so the shepherd, I should have brought him my shepherd staff. Note to self. Next time I preach this sermon, 20 years from now. And so he he brings the shepherd staff. He goes, Billy, no. And he brings him over. And Billy's like, now, I know better. And he tries to run off the cliff again. Shepherd's like, Billy, silly Billy. He brings him back here. And Billy's like looking around. He's like, nobody sees me. I'm going to show them. And he keeps trying to run off the cliff. You and Billy are the same person. That's amazing. You're getting it, sister. You're getting it, right? The shepherd, he goes, you know what? This, this goat does not, or this, the sheep doesn't speak English, clearly, nor Hebrew. And so he's not any lingual. And uh, let alone Duolingo. And so the sheep, he's not really open to reason here. He's a hazard to himself, kind of like pink. And so he decides there's only one thing to do. He breaks his legs. He, hey, Billy, come here. Billy's about to walk off the cliff. Billy, no! He grabs him. He breaks his legs. And he puts the sheep, he puts the sheep, he puts the sheep, I speak Hebrew. He puts the sheep on his neck and until the leg mends, guess who's carrying around Billy? The shepherd. Now listen, when Billy got his legs broken, dude, he was hurt. He was like, oh, how dare he break my legs? He was offended. Dude, Billy the sheep, yo, it hurt. Have you ever broken your femur? No. Right? I haven't. It hurts. But here's the point, okay? Here's the point. One day, Billy's going to look back at that moment and he's going to have perspective. He's going to one day become grateful that the shepherd loved him enough to break his legs because he was a hazard to himself. One day, the shepherd will look back on that conversation. He'll look back on that moment and he, the the pain and the sadness will be replaced by joy and gladness. And he will go, I am thankful because the shepherd saved me from myself. And I didn't know any better. Have you ever had a conversation? Small group leader, a friend, and they're like, they exposed your sin, right? Or they confronted you on something. And you're like, bro, man, this hurts. This stings. Maybe you even get angry. Maybe you get a little bit defensive. And you're like, bro, I know you love me and all. Like, I know we're boys, but like, I feel like you just broke my femur bone. You ever have that? Imagine how Nathan the prophet, or imagine how David is feeling right now, right? He's feeling salty at first. Nathan the prophet is coming with a big old finger and he's like, I'm exposing your sin. But here's what happens. Even though at first it hurts, even though at first the exposing of that sin and the confession is stinging and marked by pain and sadness, one day God will give us perspective and the pain and sadness will be replaced by joy and gladness. 
when we bring our sin to God, he gives us perspective to where we can look back at that conversation and the very conversation that brought you pain, the very conversation that brought you tears, the very, confront- the very confrontation that made you walk away from your friend and go, man, I hate you. That's the very conversation you look back on. You go, I'm so grateful because there was something worse than being called out for my sin, being left in it. There's something worse than having my bones be broken. It's me walking off of a cliff. And so the very bones that, one, that once said, ouch, will one day rejoice. The very friends that you once said, forget you, bro, you'll be saying, thank you. Have you ever had that moment? See, friends, when we come to Jesus, the Bible tells us that he is our great shepherd. And like a good shepherd, he breaks our legs sometimes. But then he also gives us the perspective to say, thank you. I'm rejoicing because you saved me. You see, students, when you come to Jesus, the Bible tells us that he adopts you into his family. You become a son and a daughter of God. And some of you don't have good parents. So you're like, I I don't really, what does it mean? I don't even know what a father looks like. I don't know what it means to be a son or a daughter of a good father. Here's what a good father looks like. The Bible tells us the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Good fathers discipline because there's something worse than you being scolded for your, your sin. It's you remaining in your sin. Come to Jesus come to Jesus and we find not only purity, we find that he grants us perspective, perspective. So he gives, we receive purity, we receive perspective. Let's see what else we find at the intersection here. What happens when I confess my sin to God? What happens? Look at number three, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We see number three, that the Lord gives us a new heart. Guys, this is beautiful. Bring it in right here. Guys, eyes up here. Look at this. God doesn't only purge you from your sin. Not only does he make you clean from the grime on your soul, he gives you a new heart. He replaces your crooked heart. Otherwise, you would just continue back in the same sin he forgave, right? Imagine it like this. Imagine, oh, that's a horrible picture. Um, It's a cracked cup. It's a mug, right? And there's cracks on it and there's holes. And so imagine I told my son Micah, He's three years old as of this past week. Everybody say, happy birthday, Micah. Happy birthday. And he all just said, sadu. And so imagine I told him to, to pour a glass of water into his cup. Right? He's very meticulous. My, my three-year-old is very careful because if anything gets dirty, it's like game over. He's dead, right? He's like, ah, my hands are melting. And so he's very, very careful. He's making sure not to spill. But as he's pouring it, the water is coming out of the cup. The water is leaking everywhere. And so he panics and he sets the pitcher back. He goes, daddy, daddy, I made a mess. Daddy, clean me, clean me. And so I come over and I clean his hands and I get a towel for the table and I replace his wet shirt with a dry shirt. And then I step away and I go, all right, you're clean. Try again. What's gonna happen? If I clean him up without fixing the cup, it's just gonna keep happening. And so in the same way, students, when you bring your sin to God, not only does he clean you, he gives you a new heart. Not only does he clean you, but he replaces the broken cup. Or you could say he replaces your crooked heart. 
He replaces your broken heart. The heart inside of you that you're born with, that is so fickle. The heart that like David has, that he's like, yes, God, yes, God. And then he sees Bathsheba, he goes, God who? Dude, that's my heart. That's the heart I was born with. I was born, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna share with you a story here. You may not know this. I was actually born a slave. A slave, right? I was born a slave to sin. From the moment, the earliest moments that I could remember, I would want to do good. I would try to do good, but it was like I always just kept coming back to sin. It was like I was shackled because of my heart. And so God, when we come to him, not only does he clean our sin, he fixes our heart. He gives us a new heart. We call it regeneration. We call it a new heart. Look what he says. This is why he gives us his Holy Spirit. When you come to Jesus, he doesn't just check your name off on a roster and go, saw dude, have fun now. Oh, you're in, all right, you're in. Come back to me in 80 years. We'll walk through the heaven gates together. Good luck out there. Peace. Jesus brings you into his family and he gives you the Holy Spirit. He actually makes his dwelling place with you and in you. And the same spirit that rose Jesus' body from the dead, the same spirit that made Jesus' dead body alive is the same spirit in you. And now it makes your dead body alive. And so when we live by the power of Jesus' spirit, the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. How? Because we're walking not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so when we confess our sin to God, we find that we have purity, perspective. He gives us a new heart. And last but not least, look at the final verse here, okay? Final verse in verse 11. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. The final thing we see when we confess our sin to God, when the knowledge of our actions intersects with God, we receive God's presence. We receive God's presence. You need to hear this, okay? Because we don't have very many good examples in our culture of how to respond to wrongdoing. When you come to God and you acknowledge the wrong that you've done, not just to others, but to him, he does not condemn you. He does not punish you by casting you out from his presence but that's what we fear, isn't it? We go, man, if those two things were to collide in an intersection, I'm gonna be condemned. He's not gonna love me anymore. He's not gonna allow me to be near to him. That's not true. When you bring your sin to God, he does not punish you by casting you out. He does not punish you by taking his spirit that we just talked about from you. Friends, the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Students, understand this. When Jesus died on the cross, it was more than simply being a good example of sacrifice. If you're new to citizens, understand this. Jesus Christ was not just like Gandhi. Jesus Christ was not Mother Teresa. He was not just some spiritual move, uh, movement leader trying to set a good example. And he's like, you know what we'll really teach them? You know what they will never forget? I'll go die. What? No, students, he died on the cross, not just to be an example. He died on the cross to pay for the very sins that you deserve to pay for. Of course, you don't have to be condemned. Of course, you don't have to pay and be punished because Jesus was punished for you. 
And so as a result, when you come to him, you don't get banished from his presence. You don't get banished. This is what David calls the joy of our salvation. You know what the joy of our salvation is? It is the exuberance. It is the full joy. My affections are flared up because I know I'm with God. Any of you have like a sibling who lives overseas or across the country or, or family that lives somewhere else, nice and high, right? And your mom says, hey, I got good news. I'm coming to visit. Or, or your friends or your cousins or whoever, your parents say, hey, such and such, Johnny, remember Johnny, the guy with the goat, he has the sheep named Billy, he's coming. Is Billy coming? Absolutely. And you get excited, we're gonna be together. That's joy. This is the joy of our salvation that God has brought us into his family. He's adopted us and I get to be with his presence. I get to know God. You guys, if you believe in Jesus, when you come into God's family and confess your sin, you experience this joy of knowing that he's faithful to you. He'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never cast you away. You can never do enough wrong things to make him go, you know what? You're just not worth it, Tolly. Get out of here. I'm done with you. You know what, Grace, you just, I'm just, I've had it up to here and I'm God, and I'm really tall and I just, I've had it up to like Venus, you know, I just, he doesn't do that. He's faithful. And so we don't have to fear bringing our sin into the light. So what happens when we confess our sin to God? We saw last week, David's sin was exposed. He goes, all right, I'm gonna own it. God, here's what I did. And for a whole week, we've kind of been holding our breath, Right? For a whole week, we've been wincing. Oh, what's gonna happen? He just, he's telling God his sin. My God's gonna kill me. What happens? And we get to the intersection and no, it's quite the opposite. David is made pure. He's granted perspective. His broken bones are now rejoicing. He's grateful for that. He has a new heart. He says, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. Give me a steadfast, unshakable determination. Help me to have a heart that doesn't go, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, Bathsheba. Give me a right spirit, a new heart. And then he has God's presence and his joy. And his joy. Students, do you want to experience this? Do you want to experience this? You want to experience the joy of actually bringing your sin into the light and receiving these things? Come clean this week. Come clean this week. We have nine days before we leave for camp. And I'm telling you, camp is going to be a time where, yes, you can come clean. It's also a time that you want to go into it already transparent, already vulnerable, and then bringing your stuff into the light. And so that's what we can do. And so for the next few moments, we're going to respond, we're going to sing. And I encourage you, come clean to the Lord. Come clean to a friend. Come and talk to a leader. If you need a leader, there are leaders all over this room, okay? If they have facial hair, they're a leader, okay? Um, if they're bald, they're a leader. Um, and if, I don't know, just ask anybody. Are you a leader? You a leader? Like, no, I'm a sixth grader. Sorry, you just confused. Just ask, we'll talk, okay? We'll talk, we'll pray, and... Um, and we want to respond to this text. We want to respond. And my prayer is that you would see these things and it would be so compelling that you go, I have nothing to fear. I'm going to come clean. Because I know that when I do, Jesus makes me clean. Jesus makes me clean. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for grace. 
God, thank you for mercy and forgiveness. Thank you that when we confess our sin to you, this is what we receive. Lord, I pray that you would make us a community that is quick to confess, that we are quick to admit our shortcomings because we're hopeful, because we know, God, that you will greet us with kindness and mercy. So Lord, I pray for courage for our students, God. Lord, I pray that you would give them courage to come clean, that you would give them the the wisdom and the courage to confess their sins to you and to one another. And then Lord, I pray for leaders and, and other students who have sin confessed to them. I pray that they would demonstrate the gospel that they would be able to to echo what you say in the word and they would say, you are forgiven. You are loved. There is no condemnation. Help us to be a community that reminds each other of that truth. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. 